Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thurl Talk. I'm Thurl Bailey, and I don't know what your favorite month is. Uh, I know we have our, our favorites, of course, November, Thanksgiving, December, Christmas. I've got my right-hand man and producer in the studio today, Josh Josh Tilton. Josh, what's your favorite month? Oh, gosh. Um, December. December. My birthday and Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you got a double duty one there. I know. And it's family. I love I love months where we could spend uh, more time with family and do as much fun stuff and food. So. Oh, I'm going to tell you, mine is March. March. March, baby. March Madness. March Madness, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I say that too because college basketball obviously is great. Um, and I have uh, special moments that come up because every March that comes up, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a selfless plug here. If you have not seen it yet, folks, try to go out and find a documentary. It's a 30 for 30 entitled Survive and Advance. All right. It's a story about this special college team and... And it's a wonderful, they did a wonderful job in telling that story. A lot of people have heard it. Even if you're not a basketball fan, you need to watch that with your family. It's, it's just got so many great messages in it of, uh, of triumph and, and you know, not, someone not believing in you because they just don't think you can do it. Uh, so I want to give you a little taste of what we went through at that time because obviously – when you end up winning a national championship, there's a story behind it. And a lot of times that story is already predetermined or predicted because your team is just so great and you're number one start of the season or you're that top five or ten. But there's always the underdog. There's all There are always teams that, that surprise people and people can't understand you know, how they can knock off a loaded number one team and so uh, I'm going to give you, take you on this journey with the story. And I've got to take you back to a point where our leader, Jim Valvano, was not even involved right away. I committed to North Carolina State right out of high school and was recruited by a great coach uh, from North Carolina State named Norm Sloan. And I had read up on Norm Sloan. I knew that he was a great coach. He was a hard-nosed coach. And I had been recruited by some other coaches as well uh, coming out of high school in, in Maryland. 
Uh, and recruiting back then was a little different than today. Uh, maybe, maybe some of it is still the same, but I remember understanding how good they thought I was when after a high school game, I was usually the last one out of the locker room and um, all the players would be gone and all of a sudden, the coach would pop out of the shower. He'd been hiding in the shower after everybody had finished just to talk to me. And so it, it really kind of gave me a notion of, man, this guy must really want me or these guys must really want me. So in order to really convince a kid, I'm sure it's like this today. If you want that kid bad enough, you got to talk to his mom, right? Now, dad's important, but in the end, you know, mom's going to be the one who is going to look at her son and say, son, I don't like him. I don't think you should go. I don't trust him. It's, there's something about moms and women that, that have this, this instinct, right, or this feeling. And so I remember Coach Sloan coming over to my house and uh, really selling it. And my mom asked him a bunch of questions about my education and making sure I got my work done and how important was the academic part. And so Coach Sloan sold it, man. I signed a letter of intent to North Carolina State. And my freshman year was, I mean, I wasn't a great player coming out of high school. I mean, I had some height. I was 6'11", and uh, I developed a pretty good jump, jump hook. I was a good rebounder, a great shot blocker. So I seemed to be a player that they thought could develop and in the long run hopefully bring uh, success to NC State. So my freshman year, uh, I was a sponge. I learned from great players. We had a great player named Hawkeye Whitney who ended up going and playing for the Kansas City Kings in the NBA. We had a great point guard who was a senior that year um, named Clyde Austin who ended up going to playing for the Globetrotters. But I remember my freshman year as being really, really tough. I relied on the coaches quite a bit, especially Coach Sloan. And he was tough. He had a really good balance of being tough on players and also, you know, showing them some love as well. But after my freshman year, I remember a, the devastating news that came that Coach Norm Sloan was leaving NC State. And here I, here I was, along with some other guys that he had recruited, we were devastated. And at this point, you know, you're a young kid in college. You're not sure what to do. So what do you do? You get on the phone. You call your parents. I remember calling my mom. And I said, Mom, Coach Sloan, he just got a job at another school. He's going to Florida. And I'm not sure what I, I think I want to come home. And, Josh, this is what my mom said to me. She said, Son, you may be going somewhere, but you ain't coming here. You're going to stay there. You're going to get your education because that's why you went there in the first place. Uh, and you're going to wait to see who they're going to hire. Don't jump the gun right away. And so, um, of course, mom was always right. There were other guys who were thinking about following Coach Sloan to Florida. And there were other guys that just didn't know what they were going to do. Their life was kind of in limbo. And I remember the day that all of us, there were probably, I think there were about eight or nine of us, left from the team. The seniors had had gone. And we're sitting in this room like a small cafeteria. And if you walked into that room, you could read our body language because our arms were crossed. 
you know, we had ticked off looks on our faces and we were looking down on the floor and we knew that they were about to bring in this new guy that they had just hired. We didn't know him. We heard he came from some school called Iona and we didn't know much about that. So he walks in the door and I remember kind of peeking up from my arms crossed, don't want to hear it position and looked around me and nobody else was really looking up either. Because basically what our body language was saying was we didn't want to hear it, right? Our coach had just taken off. We don't know you, guy. We don't know who you are. We just know, you know, you're some six-foot-two Italian guy who used to coach at another school. And now you want to come in here and take this team over. Well, we don't trust you. We don't know you. So it was, I have a lot of clarity on that day because He didn't say much at first. He just kind of looked at us, I think expecting us to look up at him. And then he began to talk. He said, guys, I want you to look at me for a minute. Looked at his watch. He said, I'm going to talk to you for maybe the next 20, 25 minutes or so. And I know how you feel. I know most of you don't want to be here. Maybe all of you. Some of you want to leave. Your coach just took off. You don't owe me anything. I don't owe you anything. He said, but I want you to listen to me just for the next few minutes. And if at the end of my talk, when I get done talking to you guys, you still want to go, I'll sign your release. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, you've only got like seven, eight players here. If we all agree to go, you won't have a team. I think that's what all of us were thinking in a way. But he said, but I want you to look at me. Because I want to tell you about my dream, guys. He said, first of all, my name is Coach Balvano. I'm your new coach. You guys can call me Coach. You can call me V. He said, but I want you to look at me. I want to tell you about my dream. And the next words out of his mouth, at the time, were like, what did he say? He said, I know that I'm going to win a national championship. He said it with all the confidence in the world. Guys, I know I'm going to win one. I've dreamt about it. I know it's going to happen. And if I can get you to see what I'm seeing, to dream what I'm dreaming, I know we can get there. Is this the team I dream about? I don't know. But I know I'm going to win one. I know it's going to be soon. So I'm going to commit to you guys today. I promise there won't be a day that goes by that I won't bring up or continue to put in your minds the ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal is for us to win a national championship. That's the ultimate goal. We're going to have a lot of goals in between. Of course, we're in a a very difficult conference, the ACC. We've got top-ranked North Carolina, coached by a great Dean Smith. We've got Duke, who's just coming on the scene with the – their new coach, Mike Mike Krzyzewski. We've got Virginia with a great player and Ralph Sampson. He said, it's going to be tough. But we need to keep our eyes on the ultimate goal, and that's to win a national championship. And the more he spoke, the more we kind of came out of our defensive positions and sat up and we listened because what he was selling, we were creating in our minds what that would be like. And 
whether we believed them or not at that time, I think ultimately what I know I thought was, man, that sounds good. I'm not sure I want to miss this if it really happens. So in the end, we all stayed. But he talked about this dream of his, and he kept talking about it that day. And as we got to know him as the season started, let me tell you how crazy we thought this man was. One of our practices, our first practices with him, the assistant coaches have us in there getting warmed up, and Coach Valvano's running a little bit late, and he walks in with a ladder under his arms. And he walks over underneath the basket, and he puts the ladder underneath the hoop. And he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out these gold pair of scissors that we had seen on his desk before. And he says, guys, today, all we're going to do for the next two hours is we're going to practice cutting down the nets. Yeah, and, and Josh, you're looking at me with that weird face. That's the same way we looked at him and we looked at each other like, what? He said, yeah, Thoreau, you're going to go up first. Other guys are going to go up the ladder. You're going to take these scissors, cut your piece of net down, and I'm going to go up last, cut the net down, put it over my neck, and you guys are going to pick me up and carry me around this 12,000-seat, empty Reynolds Coliseum, and you're going to pretend like you just won a national championship. How would that feel? What would you do? What would that be like? That's the only thing we're going to do today, he would say. So it was really weird because we were looking at each other like, okay, what do we do? I've got the scissors. And so we proceeded to do our version of cutting down the nets, winning the national championship, trying to envision what that would be like for us. And it was the most awkward thing any of us had ever done. When I say awkward, I mean awkward, awkward. And that's all we did. We went home. Now, we had regular practices, but I believe once a month we would go through that same ceremony. And every day he would remind us of the ultimate goal in our practices, in our days off, in our recreational stuff, in our schoolwork. We were reminded that this is all a part of the ultimate goal. And what Coach V, we ended up learning from him what he was trying to teach us is that guys you need to envision this if you want to win a national championship you've got to be uncomfortable right this is a whole new realm for you guys but again you need to visualize what that would be like for you as an individual and what that would be like for us as a team and it's my job to kind of fill those gaps to put you in the position he would always say this coach Valvano I need to put you in a position to win. And every single night we play, listen, we're not going to always win by 20. We might get blown out by 20, but as long as we find ourselves in a position to win, we got a shot. We have a chance. And so a couple of years of this with guys leaving and, and new guys coming, we started to see some things happening that basically was the culmination of all the things that we had, he had taught us and that we were going through. Putting us in a position to win. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back and talk to you more about 
Coach Valvano's vision. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Thrill Talk. And of course, it's March. And March is mad. <laughs> um, Coach Jim Valvano comes to North Carolina State and sells this dream of his, this vision. Has us going through awkward exercises of cutting the net down and how we would feel if that realistically happened in our lives. And we're looking around at our team and saying, what, who, us guys? But there was something brewing, something different than any of us had ever experienced. My senior year, we had uh, three leaders on that team. Myself, our point guard, Sidney Lowe, and our shooting guard, Derek Wittenberg. And all three of us were well-respected as leaders. We were kind of the extension of the coach, especially when coach wasn't around or when we were on the basketball court. Co- on the basketball court, Sidney Lowe was the coach on the court. He was the point guard. Uh, he was the guy that told us where we needed to be and if we didn't run a play right. Uh, Derek Wittenberg was really the feisty player. He was the aggressive one, the one that wasn't scared to, to get in your face. Uh, I was kind of the quiet leader, right? I let my game do the talking and and... So we developed those traits, and I believe we were well-respected by the underclassmen on our team. And it really meant a lot to Coach V that we would take that mantle. But those are the kind of things he taught us. We had some moments throughout the season that showed a lot of promise for our team. No one was really talking about NC State basketball. We had some good games. We had, to, we had a great rivalry going with the school down the street, North Carolina, who had some great players, Sam Perkins, James Worthy, Brad Doherty. Oh, I can't remember the other guy's name. That Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan. <laughs> it was a great rivalry back then, but the whole conference was tough. And we were actually playing pretty well throughout the course of the season until one particular game against the University of Virginia, one of our greatest scorers in Derek Wittenberg, went down with an injury in the first half and and he was out not just for that game after a broken fifth metatarsal in his left foot and we didn't know much about how long that injury would be but we figured our season was over anyway Coach Valvano rallied the troops and never wavered never wavered from his belief his dream he talked about losing a tough player. He looked at a couple of young players and said, okay, Lorenzo, okay, Ernie, you guys have to grow up right now. 
hey, we need you. You don't have to be Derek Wittenberg, but you need to bring me your best every single night. And it was amazing to watch that transformation happen. And we went through a tough period. We lost a bunch of games because we didn't have one of our best scores. I was relied on to score a little bit more and to help lead the team, especially in the in the paint. And Sidney Lowe obviously had more responsibility. But Coach Valvano never lost it, never went a day without talking about how to get through this period and, and, and how to go about approaching the game. The film room was a whole different story. He was an amazing teacher. He would throw in a film in the film room and show us. He'd break down individually as a player the things that we didn't do right that particular game. He pointed to me and said, Thurl, this rebound probably cost us the game. Because at that moment, if you had boxed out the way that we've been working on, they wouldn't have had another opportunity. It was, it was painful sometimes in those film sessions. But, of course, the video didn't lie. But this is the kind of leader he was. After he went down the line and told us all the mistakes we made right there on film, he reached in his pocket and pulled out another, I might lose some young people here, a VHS tape. And he put it in the machine, and everything on that tape was everything that we had done the right way. He always left it on a positive note. He said, Thurl, right here. This is what you need to do more consistently. Sydney, what a great pass. You can't miss that guy in the corner if he's open. Lorenzo. You have got to be strong in that paint and not allow people to take control in there. So we were learning. He was teaching us how to be better, even without our best player. And then lucky enough for us, our best player and Derek Wittenberg came back. I remember the game he came back. It was against Virginia, the same team he had broken his foot against early in the season. We didn't win that game. We didn't win either game. The first game, when he got hurt, and we were up 27 points. In the first half, Derek got hurt. They came back and beat us. The second game, they beat us again. University of Virginia was just a tough team for us. But our season continued on. At the end of the regular season, we were 16-10. and 16-10. and 10. That might be good enough to get in the NIT tournament, but at that time, not good enough to get in the NCAA tournament. In order for us to get into the NCAA tournament, we had to win the ACC tournament. First game against Wake Forest. We won that game. Then we had to go through one of the top-ranked teams in the country, North Carolina, with Michael Jordan on the team. Now, I don't know if you remember that year, but the year before, North Carolina had won the national championship. We beat North Carolina. We're in the championship of the ACC tournament against who? Ralph Sampson and Virginia, a team that we had lost twice to. And we hadn't beaten. Coach Valvano's philosophy and theory changed. We were going to guard them a different way. 
we weren't going to allow Ralph Sampson, who was a great player in his own right, would go on to be a great player in the NBA. We weren't going to allow him to beat us. So he came up with some unusual at the time defenses. A triangle and two. A box and one. A one-three and a chaser. Where you four guys, uh, three guys are in a, a zone and one guy's chasing their best player. We beat Virginia that day and won the ACC championship, which gave us an automatic bid into the NCAA championship. Now people were starting to take note of this team. We had accomplished something that not a lot of teams in that conference had accomplished. Usually the team who came out the number one or two seed were the ones everybody picked to win. Well, we earned the spot into the NCAA tournament. And I'm going to just say the rest was kind of history, but I cannot dismiss the fact that within our team, something started to happen. And it happens with any team, in any arena, when you have great leadership and you know your players, you know the personalities of the guys that you're coaching. You start to mature. You start to believe in yourself. And now we're confident. We're confident because we can see this dream that Coach was trying to get us to build with him. We have a chance. We have a shot. As good a shot as anybody else does. We just beat a couple of the greatest teams in college basketball. We beat the defending national champions. And honestly, on the outside... I'm not sure people still knew who we were. But we go through our first NCAA game. Pepperdine. This was the first time that we had really gotten to a point with Coach V that everything was being tested. We were down in that game. If I remember correctly, it was only three minutes or so left we were down like nine or ten points and I know everybody thought it was over except us some things happened some risks were taken coach Valvano wanted us to foul their best free throw shooter on purpose Dane Suttle 90% free throw shooter (laughs) in what right mind do you look at the best free throw shooter and you say this is a different stage he's got to make both of these I don't believe he can do it. He couldn't do it. Which gave us more opportunity. We won that game in overtime. And moved on. There was always something in every single game. Whether it was you call it luck. Well, we probably earned that luck because we prepared for it. We find ourselves eventually in the national championship game. With a team, you look them up. Just just Google Phi Slamma Jamma. And it's going to pull up all kinds of things about what an amazing ensemble of basketball players that was. Led by Hall of Famer Clyde Drexler. Led by Hall of Famer Hakeem Olajuwon. I swear when we first saw them at one of the practices, I thought it was an NBA team masquerading as college kids. 
That's how good they were. And I can tell you that 99% of the country, maybe even the world, would say that these guys don't have a shot at this team. Look at what they've done up till now. The semifinal game that they had against Louisville was just a dunk fest for both teams. And people were looking at that game pretty much saying the winner of this game is going to be the national champion. Coach Valvano was in interviews. They were asking, well, what's your strategy, Coach? And Coach said, listen, we may not shoot the ball till next Wednesday. And back then, we didn't have a shot clock, so we could hold that thing as long as we could. If we got a two-point lead, man, we could hold that thing as long as we wanted to. Well, let me tell you something. The day of the game, after all those interviews, talking to all those reporters about our slow-down strategy, Coach Valvano walks into the room, about knocked the door down. He looks at us and said, he says, guys, if you think we're going to hold that bleeping ball, you're crazy. We're going to go out and we're going to play. We're going to run. We're going to play our game against this team. We're going to play smart. But we're not going to allow them to dictate how we play. And he kept talking about us believing. This is what we've worked for. This is what he's dreamed about for us. And if you know anything about that game, that first half was amazing. We were told, because we witnessed this in the semifinal game they had against Louisville, that this team loved to dunk. So Coach B said, guys, just do not let them dunk the basketball. Whatever you have to do, don't let them dunk. That fuels them. That fuels their fans. And we'd be in trouble because they've got the athletes. So do not let them dunk the ball. If we can get more dunks than they get, I think we can win this game, Coach V said. First two points out of the gate for NC State was a dunk. Dirk Wittenberg misses a shot. I run in on a follow-up. And I think everybody was surprised, even me. (laughs) We got a dunk. First two points. First half was pretty good. We, We ended up getting a lead. Not a comfortable lead, but I think we surprised the Houston Cougars that half. Kim Olajuwon got away from us for for a dunk, so each team had a dunk. Well, the previous game they had, I think there was a total of 30 dunks in that game between both teams. Second half, we knew that Houston was going to make a run. And they did. Forty-four seconds left on the clock in the game. The score is tied. Houston came back in it. We made our run. The score is deadlocked. Coach Valvano calls a timeout. And we're going to work this thing for the last shot. Worst case scenario, we go to overtime. We didn't want to. So we drew up a play. I can't even remember what the play was. I think it was just to get the best shot possible. Derek Wittenberg had been the hot hand in the second half. So I think in everybody's mind, especially mine, we needed to get him the ball in a good situation. 
if we couldn't find a good situation, we needed to take that shot ourselves. Seven seconds left on the clock. I get the ball in the left corner. Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know this till after I listened to the announcers. He says, they've got to get to the basket. Well, I hadn't hit a point in the second half. I had 15 points all in the first half. I knew Derek Wittenberg was the hot hand. I've got to get it to Derek. So I threw a baseball pass right before half court. I mean, Derek was way out there. A guy named Benny Anders, a great defender for Houston, was guarding him. I threw that pass to Derek, and Benny Anders got his hand on it. He wasn't able to steal it, but he was able to tip it a little bit. Derek Wittenberg reaches out and grabs it and heaves up. What everybody can see is going to be short, an air ball. If you ask Derek Wittenberg, he'd say it was a pass, but it was an air ball. As that ball floated towards the rim, my team made on the opposite side of the rim, the late, great Lorenzo Charles. Reaches up, grabs it, dunks it in. We're all looking around like, what just happened? Fans are starting to rush the floor. I fall to my knees because we had just beat one of the greatest teams in college basketball history. A Cinderella team who got nicknamed the cardiac kids. Every game seemed to have something special. I remember the vision of our coach running out on the court. I couldn't hug him. Evidently, nobody else could either because he couldn't find anybody to hug running around in a circle. All of a sudden, he threw himself on a pile of band members and cheerleaders. It was a surreal scene. Someone had to pick me up so I wouldn't be trampled by the fans coming on the court. We had done the impossible. This NC State basketball team had defied all odds and won a national championship. And if you've ever gone through any level of celebration like that, you understand what I mean. As the dust cleared, there was a ceremony to be had. They bring the ladder out, they put it underneath the hoop. And this is the point where the team's kind of gathering around. The NCAA official comes over with a box with a pair of scissors in it. And as he walks over, I see Coach Valvano's hand go up, kind of halting him in his tracks. He reaches in his pocket and he pulls out the gold pair of scissors we had practice with the awkward practices of cutting down the net trying to get us to visualize what that would look like, feel like we felt like we had been there before we look at coach like are you kidding me? This is, this is that dream you were selling us a few years ago when we were about to take off course, Coach Valvano would have his own challenges. 
He would go on to win more games. But 10 years after that national championship that we win together, he would pass away losing his battle to cancer. That man taught us how to be a champion. So every March, all of the us who are left from that team, we were on a group text. And even though we can't see each other, we feel like we can. We feel like we're together. And we talk about how much we love each other and how much that year meant to us and everybody involved, especially Jimmy V. That's why March is so special to me. And I ask you, what's your version of cutting down the nets look like? It doesn't have to be in the basketball arena. It could be at home could be at work could be a personal thing in your own life that you're struggling with trying to get through how do you cut the nets down when something like that happens of course it makes a mark on your life but even afterwards you always look for it you always look for ways that you can continue that feeling or you can help someone else climb that ladder with that those pair of scissors to celebrate that victory. Thank you for joining me this week on Thorough Talk. We'll talk to you next time.